Welcome to Everything In Between, the podcast where a dad and daughter duo delve deep into topics ranging from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and, well, everything in between. I'm Emma. I'm the dad. That's Anish. Um, And it's your birthday episode, technically. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's true. I didn't get you anything this time because Uh, you still haven't read any of the books I got you last (laughs) year. Fair enough. Um, so that's my re-gift to you. Okay. That's that another works. incentive. No, nope, totally works. Um, <laughs> and we've, we watched some new things. Yeah. Um, we were really excited about Lock and Key coming out on Netflix, um, which is based off of comic books from Joe Hill, who's Stephen King's son. Yep. 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 Um, and I have to say, I know they changed it, but I totally do, do not remember like the majority of the books and I feel like I need to reread them now. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, they said that they were going to, uh, it was slightly different. I mean, the main components are the same, but mm-hmm. um, it's, I remember the comic books. They're really, really um, good. And uh, if you get a chance to read them, you should. Uh, the, I think you should watch episode. I mean, we're only three in. I don't even know how many. I thought in. we were. Uh, are we, we were, more than three? I don't know now. Maybe we're four. I don't know. I'm mixing it up with the other show you were yeah, watching. Yeah, but... Um, it's it, I like it I, yeah. and uh, it's so funny that how all of the Stephen King like there's like there's a Stephen King family ensemble <laughs> cast of actors and actresses that just all play in their world because um, Georgie's in this yep um, and then the woman uh, I don't want to give everything away but there's a, Echo is her her name right now. Um, is from in the tall grass. Yes. And then um, I think one of the there's a couple of people in there that have either had bit parts or other parts. I, I don't know if they're all. Some of them are majority in the Netflix world too, but I mean it wasn't. So, but yeah, no, it's 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 well done and it's got a weird vibe to it. So it, there's this haunting of Hill House feel just because of the house itself, um, and then there's the just the mystery of it all the town i mean it's all new england based in the in the comic book the town's called lovecraft but i think i don't think they could get the rights to use that so they changed it and yeah. I, I didn't it's I, like matheson yeah matheson and then um i think it was in massachusetts still i think maybe yeah it, it's in massachusetts no i know it is in the netflix show but oh, i couldn't remember in the, the comic book, book if it was I, maine I or or uh Massachusetts. Massachusetts, yeah. But again, it's it's worth it. It's and uh, definitely the comic books are worth it. Oh, the comic books are great. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, if you guys get a chance, I I mean, I guess watch it first. If you, well, I guess it doesn't really matter. I think it's up to you what what you prefer because they're not the same. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're there's probably at least from the episodes I've seen so far. The majority is we're talking at least seventy percent is to the comic book, but even the way it starts. And the in the comic book, it's a slower roll mm-hmm. on how certain characters um, appear. Uh, at least I think you're right. I don't remember yeah, either. We now, really but, have to reread them. But, it's been a while. But yeah, but well done. It is well done. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and then we also started watching Gravity Falls, which is more of a kid cartoon, I know. But it's been on my list for a while, and then you just like randomly put it on the other I day. I put it on because um, I read something about the creator has a new uh, cartoon coming out, Ooh. and it's about, well, the Gravity Falls, if you haven't seen it, is, and I'd always seen it, and I, I, I just saw bits and pieces, and it definitely is for it's disney and it's for younger kids it's but a little bit it, phineas and furby it is but i feel like for a disney show just right off the bat you're like okay this is there's a lot of innuendo in the whole thing uh, more than i expected and maybe you know they just do it for the heck of it and kids just it just goes past them but um but the new one that they're doing is also uh this is about cryptids and things like that um but the the new one is a ghost Ooh. It's it's more of um, a paranormal That's haunt, exciting. you know, like investigators. I think I can't I remember now. That's the only reason I got to find the article. But I like it a but lot. But that's why I really want to binge more of it. That's why I put it on. So I was like, I wanted to watch that because of that. But yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and um, this weekend we had your sort of like birthday party ish extravaganza type thing, um, which was fun. There's a lot of food, which, you know, that was good for me. I <laughs> oh, mean. it's all your mom. You should, yeah. No, uh, no, your your mom totally surprised me, which is rare. Like, usually she <laughs> she will have, a, whatever she does, gifts, whatever it is, somehow, and it's never her fault on why I find out, but there's something that will slip up or it's just something happens. But this one completely, I, I was at a loss. And um, basically... She got me tickets. Well, the whole family, we're going to Anfield. And I am still in shock from it. And uh, I, I, I am speechless because it's just the perfect storm of everything going <laughs> on. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. But I, uh, it's going to be something. And I'm psyched. And then you get to go to London. So yes, you're, you're Jack psyched the about River, that. Yep. Tower of London. We're doing the whole haunted We're shebang. not. No, no. We're not. Okay, we're, I'm doing the We're whole. going to, we'll, we'll do one thing. I'm not doing this nonstop crap of like, <laughs> no, that's not happening. Okay, sure. Not happening. No way. <laughs> you can pick one thing a day and that's it. Oh, that one thing a day is fine. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. But we're not doing like, oh, we got to go do this and go do that. That's, I hate, <laughs> that's not a vacation. That's basically, let's just watch life pass us by. <laughs> Um, you had you had a couple of things that you wanted to say. Oh, that's right? funny. Yeah, so um, uh, Nick and Christy and Covey, that you still haven't met Covey, right? I've not. No, they watch Togo. So I got a I got a text message from them. With a, it was an incredible picture of them all watching um, Togo and just basically Covey basically seeing uh, his ancestors. Oh. <laughs> so it was really really awesome. Um, so that was kind of cool to see, and uh, I think they liked it. I think uh, the last text I got was that it was enjoyable, and same thing. It was like a two box of tissue kind of yep. <laughs> uh, movie, and then um, and then the other thing I was going to say is that. Um, I, I do want to do this one shout to uh, uh, a listener. This, his name's Lerez. He he's been I don't know when he started listening off, but like, you know he's been you know texting here and there and sending some things. And he's always it's funny because I think he's he I mean he loves the true crime world and everything and the Mindhunter and everything else. But um, it's it's really cool because he'll he'll send me something about hey did you see this and that and it's it's just awesome because it's definitely just in our world so he was talking about the outsider 
from HBO just recently. Oh, yeah. And then there was something on uh, Apple TV. We don't have Apple TV, but he was mentioning, I don't know if it was The Servant or something like that. They just said same thing, a good feel for that but uh, I just wanted to make sure because it's been spot on with everything we've been talking (laughs) about and uh, uh, it's cool it's really really cool so again yeah you know thanks to everyone who's listening because uh, it helps us and you know anything else that you guys see or uh, it just to basically in a way solidify you know and what we've been talking about or some of the stories we've been we've been going over but yeah. uh, he's got an, he's he's got a couple he was gonna he was gonna send as well so it's cool that's exciting yeah, yeah. and if you have your own that you want to send us uh we'll say like all our contacts up at the end so stay tuned uh and then do i i mean i know there was no liverpool game this weekend but do you have any news that you want to share no they're, they're on break right now so um it, it doesn't until next week the the the, it's the first time they've done it actually in the English game and all the other leagues they always have like a winter break it's late mm-hmm. to have a winter break too because it's February but um, everything starts up again pretty quickly starting next week so we we have I can't remember for the game Saturday Sun oh, it's Saturday because we have Champions League right after that so we play Atletico Madrid away that following I believe it's Tuesday so there's a bunch coming so it'll be we'll be right back at it and mm-hmm. again with us going to Anfield now, we're going to have to figure out how to, um, well, at least when we're out there, we'll set it all up uh, of making sure we get things up on the on the Insta. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But <laughs> so right now, nothing new to update. We're still 22 points ahead because City was supposed to play today, but there's a massive storm in the UK. So all games, well, not all, most games got canceled. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So you're doing... On in between. On in between. All right. I got a true crime. All right. Let's get to it. All right. So just want to start with my sources. Um, I used the lineup, Wikipedia, Atlas Obscura, How Stuff Works, Mysterious Universe, Obscure and Legend, Boredom Therapy, Wikipedia again, um, and Your Ghost Stories. Okay. So that's a good list. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much our common (laughs) sources there. Um, So when I was little, uh, I thought that there were uh, images in our, like, bathroom tiles. Um, That's actually, no, I could see that. In the upstairs bathroom especially, like the one next to my room. Um, Yeah, you mean in the tub? No. On the floor? On the floor tiles. Oh, well, then I'm going to freak you out. You should probably look at the bathroom, the tiles next time, because there are. Images? Yeah. In our shower? You'll see. Yeah, I've seen those, too. Okay. Yeah, they're like a little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. (laughs) I'm talking about the floor tiles. Um, So to me, it looked like each tile had like a face on it, kind of, or like a some sort like a snapshot from a story. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for example, in one of them, it looked like there is like a man in a really small plane, like one of those like one person planes, like flying around. Uh, And another one, I saw the image of like a dude like hiding behind a rock. And like peeking out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then another one, I saw the image of like a man in like the 1920s, like detective fedora type deal, like sort of shadows on part of his face. You're gonna have to take a picture of these tiles, you know. <laughs> okay. Because I think I, 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 this all seems possible to me. All right. Well, I'll take I'll take a picture of them. Uh, and then the one that like was the most obvious to me was this one it looked like there was this guy 
he was like standing in the middle of it and he was holding like uh, another figure in his arms like lois lane style yeah uh and he was like his head was like facing upward and he was like wailing it looked like he was wailing okay while he was yeah. holding this figure um and i don't i don't know why i saw them like every single time i went in there i still see them um and of course now i recognize that these are not like real things trapped in the tiles like it's just my imagination um but there have been some real occurrences of things uh looking like people and faces popping up i know this one you do i do i i research i didn't research i it's it's in a it's like in a different country, right? Spain. Yes. Belmez yes, yes. faces. Yes. You know yes. this one. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Um, I it, I came across it when I was doing research, but I didn't. I didn't get into the super detail. It's just one that I, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But so I'm intrigued. But because uh, when I read it, I was like, this is kind of spooky. Yeah, it's very yeah. spooky. Okay. The problem was it's not as long as I would like. Oh, it to I think. But this is a good one. This yeah, is, it's yeah, very yeah. spooky. But um, yeah. so it's my short is kind, my story is kind of short. But I included like two. It's about, uh, it's about quality. Don't worry about the quantity. Well, <laughs> it's all about quality. I included two like um, other stories from different places. I think both of them are from. Oh no, one's from the UK, one's from the US of people experiencing this stuff on their own. Um, but I'll start with the story of the Belmez faces. Uh, so, the first report of the strange faces occurred on August twenty third, nineteen seventy one, in Belmez, Spain. Uh, Maria Gomez Camara uh, claimed that she saw a human face form on her concrete floor spontaneously. Um, Not only did it quickly like form and then take the shape of a face, but according to Maria, it also changed positions. Yep. Um, In response, uh, Maria's husband, Juan, and her son, Miguel, destroyed the image with a pickaxe and laid new concrete in its place, as you do. Right. Um, cause well, you know, at least they probably thought it was like mold or something and they wanted to get rid of it that way. Or they thought it was the supernatural and thought taking a pickaxe Again, to it's it. Still, would, uh, I don't know if everyone would have done that. <laughs> so what I would think, you have done? No, I think it's good because I, usually it's like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. Just you know, and then it. let's wait a couple, let's call, let's wait till something people. really bad happens yeah. <laughs> and then, then maybe we'll do something. Um, so they, they laid new concrete in its yep. place. Uh, and then soon after the face reformed, uh, in the same shape as it had before, um, and this time, there were more. <laughs> <Ba-bum-bum-bum>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this like circulated pretty quickly, um, and the house was advertised to the press as La Casa de las Caras, or the House of Faces. Makes sense. Like, yeah, it's faces in a house. So I mean, it's a good name. Yeah, <laughs> guess the point. <laughs> Uh, so experts of parapsychology, which is like, you know, ghosty things, uh, flocked to the house, eager to understand what was going on. Uh, Maria and her family agreed to have the floor removed and the ground beneath the house excavated. Um, people thought, oh, this must be like a chemical problem or like mold or something like that. Um, so they, they did remove the floor um, and officials didn't find any chemicals underneath. Instead, they found piles of skeletons beneath the house. <laughs> so again, they acted pretty quickly. Yeah, here. no, I think right away then you're like, okay, now are they trying to, well, yeah. keep going. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> the skeletons were analyzed and determined to have been dead since the 13th century at the most. Um, 
and so they were then like reburied in a catholic cemetery and the flooring was in the kitchen so they rebuilt the the whole kitchen pretty much um and that's it everything was great just kidding there's more (laughs) so not long after the floor was repaired more faces started appearing uh, and this just caught the attention of, like, priests, journalists, paranormal researchers. Everyone was traveling to Belmez to, like, make sense of the faces. Uh, German investigator Dr. Hans Bender uh, claimed that the faces were, quote, the most important paranormal occurrence of the 20th century. Um, experts from the Spanish Institute for Ceramics and Glass mapped out the floor of the home and, like, covered it in cloth and then sealed it with wax to make sure that nobody tampered with it. Right. Um, and they left, let it be for a little bit. And then when they came back and unsealed it, um, they had like a, they had a, a local notary like when they did seal it. Yep. So it was all like official. So months later, they came and they uncovered the floor, and uh, researchers were met with something that they hadn't expected. The faces had moved and like transformed. From what they had been mm-hmm. and nobody had been in there right. so um by easter of 1972 hundreds of people were flocking to the house to see the faces right. for themselves uh, and then for the next 30 years faces of both male and female um appearance uh showed up in the house um so some think that like the stains were the result of like chemical agents reacting to light um, but again, they didn't find any chemicals or anything. Right. Um, something that it's like a weird forgery thing, um, that like the family themselves yeah. were like creating the faces and stuff. Um, especially some people suspected her son, uh, Miguel being the one to like create everything. Right, right, right. Um, and then there's another, uh, theory that, uh, the faces were physical manifestations of Maria's thoughts and emotions. Uh, it's a phenomenon called photography. <laughs> okay. So, again, straight to the point. Um, people theorized that the faces like changed with Maria's moods and desires, and then they'd like disappear when Maria like left the home for good. They what? So they thought that like. But they did disappear. No, they thought that they would disappear. Oh, it when went, she like uh, left uh, for okay, good. Okay. Yeah. No, they didn't disappear. Um, so in 2004, Maria died at the age of 85 and psychics were like, okay, well now the faces will disappear, right? Right. No, they continued to appear. Like they, the ones that were already there stayed and then just more started coming. Okay. So it wasn't attached to Maria herself. Um, so this is pretty strange. Um, that mayor of Belmez actually was like one of the first people to like, witnessed this and like he was the one who ordered them to have it like sealed up and all yep. that um and there isn't really any closure from it uh, i think so people still flock to it i think so i mean it says for 30 years it's still appearing i don't know if it is currently i'm assuming that it's still currently is showing up um but i think you can still visit um it the faces didn't seem to like be doing anyone any harm they were just sort of showing up. Right, right, right. Um, but a lot of people have, like, had this experience themselves in their own homes. So um, there's one person who posted this uh, sort of story. Uh, it took place in the UK, and they posted this in 2019. So I'm just going to read the quote. Yep. 
This happened when I was about 10 to 11 years old in my bedroom. One night, I suddenly woke up to a presence in my room. I immediately looked to my wall where there was a face on, on my wall. Uh, it was very clear and it's hard to describe. It wasn't a person and it didn't look exactly like a person you would see on the street, but I knew it was a ghost. I stared at it for around 20 to 30 seconds, absolutely petrified, uh, not knowing what to do. So I ran as fast as I could to my parents' room. They woke up and I said to them, can I sleep here tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to tell them what had happened because even though I knew my parents had their many paranormal encounters, I felt like I just wanted to be away from what had happened and I didn't think they would believe me. Every day I think about it, and often I look at the wall every few minutes to like check if there's a face on it. Uh, my house was made in the 60s and nobody has died in it. The only accident on my street is when a boy drowned in the lake next to my house while trying to get a football. Once when I was alone in my house, I was downstairs in my living room, and I clearly heard the words, quote, What do we have here? right in my ear. Uh, I have also seen a tall man in my conservatory walk and then disappear. But once, maybe the creepiest thing that happened to me in that house was when I was playing football in the garden and I saw my mother stare at me through her bedroom window even though she was out for the day and I checked all over the house and no one was there. Um, that What's interesting about that, that whole thing mm -hmm. is that I feel that there's two worlds of this, right? There's the ones who are like, get spooked out of their minds seeing this thing. And then there's the ones who are saying like, oh, I see this and now it's this religious thing and yeah. that's how they do it. And look, it's on my, not only is it on my floor, but it's on this piece of toast. Yes. So, like, <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. I wonder, I thought you were talking about the people that like get spooked by paranormal things and the people that are like, okay, let's just live with it. <laughs> no, no, I just, I, I can see it, how, how people would, because again, like to your, to what you're saying is that, um, your imagination, and then once you see it, you cannot unsee, unsee it. it, right? And we'll talk about like sort of what that could be in yeah. a second after I say the other story. But um, it's very interesting because I think people like this. I'm going to talk about this, but people like see faces and like everything. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, like you like there's the all those yeah like cloud gazing. Like that's one of the effects that I'm going to talk about. But mm -hmm. like even in like there's so many like like BuzzFeed, like listicles that have like things that look like faces and it's like a faucet and then it's like a car and then even like, on ghost adventures maybe right <laughs> when you see something or that yeah i agree zach bagans does kind of look like a face <laughs> i wasn't gonna say that i don't think he looks like a face all right oh. well, anyway okay so moving past that mm -hmm. um somehow we still bring up ghost adventures when i'm not even really covering a ghost story <laughs> Um, so, um, another person posted on the same website, uh, and this takes place in California and it was posted in 2007. So, quote, I moved into this house three years ago with my 14 year old daughter and my husband. Soon after we settled in, my camera phone on a fluke took a picture of the carpet in our bedroom. Um, and there was like a face in it. She kind of neglected to say that bit. Um. The face was horrific and scary. I started looking with my camera phone all over the house, and sure enough, there are faces and illustrations throughout the entire home, on all the carpets, tables, all the furniture, walls, anything and everything. I have spent countless hours trying to make sense of this, but cannot. 
The bricks in the fireplace have faces and illustrations. I've taken numerous photos, put them on my computer, and used programs to enhance and remove layers. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. There are people, like, working. There are animals. EDC. Strange as it may sound, the faces change from one day to the next. Outside, the bricks on the house also have faces and illustrations. Even all the rocks outside do, too. If you pick up any piece of paper and start coloring the paper, face, uh, coloring the paper faces appear and words. Uh, someone came here one day and said a horrible feeling went through his body. He was shaken up quite a bit and never returned. I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, my parents are still ministers, and I called my dad, and he advised me to take blessed oil and put some all over my house on every door and window, uh, to which I did, but this is still going on. I have a four-and-a-half-month-old son who is always looking at certain areas in the house and laughing or smiling, and when he was two months old, I discovered a really strange thing. Uh, when the baby was crying um, and nothing we could do could calm him down, uh, if I walked into the kitchen and stood in like a certain spot, he would instantly just cease crying. Um, and now that he's teething, it is even a greater phenomenon that still works. I know that something is going on here, but I just don't know what. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so, again, in her house, the faces are moving, which is weird. Um, but the thing that we like see faces and everything, uh, it's an effect called pareidolia. Um, and it's just like a psychological effect that just makes us see patterns and random textures or places. So cloud gazing is an example, uh, the face on Mars, man in the moon, uh, stuff like that. Um, all of that is pareidolia. Hmm. Um, also like hearing hidden messages in music is an example of this, which reminded me a little bit of Charles Manson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's very common and I was looking at a couple articles about it, like there's so many examples. So this could be that, but the fact that like the faces, like if you look at a picture of the Belmez faces, yeah. uh, which will be on our Instagram, like they're very clearly like outlined and stuff. It's not just like the, the like a rock floor sort of like I, I raised in right, places. Right, right, right. It looks like someone's just like done, you know, when you like put a paper over something and you sketch um, and then, like, yeah, the, the, the pattern um, comes out. Yep, 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 yep. It's sort of like that is what it looks like. Right, 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 right. So I don't know what it could be. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. I think um, that, like you're saying, that the ones that are, I don't want to say caricatures, it's the wrong word, but, like, that point of, like, you know, it's it's your imagination doesn't even need to run wild, you know, yeah. but that, 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 the power of suggestion, of course, is that issue that's going to happen regardless. So that moment, because I think we've done it, you know, you'll say things where if you even said to me, oh, look in the, well, even like the tiles that you're saying in the bathroom, yeah. had you said that to me when you first saw it, I guarantee the first thing I'd be like, oh, yeah, I see it. You know what I mean? I mean, if you were afraid, I probably would have been like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> that kind of thing. But if you're like, hey, do you see that? And you're doing it in a way of like, I want you to see it too. You're right. going to see it. And also humans like naturally like seek out faces. Like that's just like a thing that we do. Like, yeah. Meh. And it's a part of the pareidolia thing, but like we look for faces like everywhere, which I think is interesting. Why are you smiling? No, because I was thinking of, um, that 
So in the case of the of of um, the Bel Belmate Belmez Belmez, Belmez um, I mean it might be Belmez, but the the point with that is, depending on what your intentions are, you'll do what you wanted. You know, you'll see what right you and see. and like the, if you if somebody hadn't said, look, it's a face, someone might look at it and be like, oh, it's a stain or like, yeah, or it's okay, you know. And again, I'm not trying to say everybody's looking out to make a buck, but at some point you yeah. get to that. And I think most of the stuff where when you find something on your piece of toast, it's to make a buck or whatever that is. But um, yeah, I think some people were accusing um, Maria's family of like, like capitalizing on this oh, and absolutely. being like a, a scam to like get fame and, and money and stuff. Well, it, it you know that you see a lot of that that happen, especially when there's a religious connotation. I think here it's a little bit different because they're saying that. Well, anything with ghosts, really, people are like, oh, you're just trying to like get tourism. Right, 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 right. But I think, um, and actually, I guess on the religious side, I don't think they actually try to charge you or anything. So it's not like, oh, here's pay a dollar to see, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. Well, that's thanks to Martin Luther, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that is, I know it was short, but that's... No, again, I remember, I think when I I saw that story when I was doing that... um, Remember the one with the house that was, uh, it was in Spain as well. And it was, Oh yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah it was haunted. People go up and then they, uh, the, there that was, was like the one the like mo- on Google images, right? Uh, yes. Yes. And yes, there was, was like the really rivers, sp- the bodies, of the women and that, stuff. Right. 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 Yeah. So that's when it came up. Um, mm. cause I think, I don't know where in Spain that is the one that you're talking about, but they're not far from each other <laughs> overall. So, but yeah, but that, that's a good one. I like, again, I, I think it was in my, I have to now remove it from my bookmarks. I think I had it in there or something. In the I future. was worried. I was literally, it was so short. I was like, this is not going to be. It's enough. a good story. It is. And I think people can visualize it. And, uh, and, yeah, and, and now I guarantee you, anybody, everyone who's listening, right? You'll see. You'll start look. You're going to, you're going to go look faces. at your tiles. That's the first thing you're going to do. Yes. Go. Please go look at your tiles. <laughs> um, yeah. Part of me was like, should I just like turn this into my own little ghost story and then talk about the history? And then I was like, no. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's good. Um, well, but yeah, that's the Belmas faces. All right, cool. Well done. Thank you. All right. Um, before I get further, your mom was laughing because she's like, "You better tell everybody that's not like you're going to be going to Anfield every year." Oh yes, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It was because it's my fiftieth this year, Ooh. so that's that's the reason this is happening, and uh, and it's it just I mean again perfect storm. They're they're having the greatest season, and if all works well, they'll have already sewn up the title by then. This so. is the universe aligning. For maybe you. maybe, but yeah. So before everybody thinks that you know we're gonna be hitting Anfield, I mean I could hope, but we're just, we're <laughs> anyway. Um, so my story is true crime, and it is a serial killer. You said this was crazy, right? It is. And I, you may know this one. Um, well, and I'm excited. I hope I do. It takes place in Missouri, and but it's over a longer period of time with the killings, I believe. Uh, okay. Like 2011 to like 2016. Oh, my hip just cracked. I don't know if anybody just heard that, but it was pretty loud for me. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. So um, on August 16th, 2016, oh. a, a 911 call was made to the O'Fallon, Missouri Police Department. A woman's voice was on the phone and she's in a panic and she tells the operator that there's a man at her door trying to get in the house and, you know, he's threatening her and she's fearing for her life. And then on the call, you know, you can hear the banging. Like if oh, I, I was actually like going to try to get the 911 call because you can hear it. You can listen to it. Um, and um, and then you hear, you know, you're hearing. She's like, like, get away, get away, get out. And she's talking on the same time on the phone. Like, listen, 
help, help, help. You know, and she's like, don't get away from me. Don't, don't, you know, I'm called. I don't even know if she says she's on the phone with the police. I can't remember. And then all of a sudden, um, I think you hear like the door break open. You hear some running and her like trailing away. And then you hear bang, 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 like just gunshots. Oh my God. And when, you know, the police are already on their way, which is interesting. So, I mean, because they didn't, she didn't give the ad. Well, at least I don't remember here. Maybe I didn't hear the whole call, but I don't remember her giving the address. They're asking her for it. Yeah, the tip is. Like that I heard is like when you call 911, just start with the address right, right. and then you say whatever. But I'm assuming they're traced it or whatever because yeah. the police were already on their way. And when they arrived, they found the man dead. <gasps> so the woman was brought down the station to be interviewed and, you know, like the whole events and everything like that. And, you know, she said she was in her driveway mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, this guy showed up got into our car with a knife and with the knife tried to assault her um and somehow she broke free like knocking the knife out of the guy's hands and then ran into the house now she's running to the house the guy had with the knife was like look you're gonna um you're gonna get me russ's money we're going to the bank you're getting me to russ's money Whoa. and uh when he broke in the way she, when she ran into the room, she ran into her bedroom and she got, that's where she found her revolver and shot the guy. Um, and the police were basically astonished on what happened and everything. And, and they weren't astonished by what she did. Um, but more about the people involved Hmm. because when she mentioned Russ, the police were very familiar with Russ or a guy named Russ, I should say, because Russ was a prime suspect in his wife's murder and had just been released from jail a couple years ago and was awaiting a new trial for a new trial. Hmm. So, um, and what also was weird was, and when this was going down, they didn't know when the call happened because when they got the name of the person, they didn't, it, it was mis, uh, misspoken or the last name was mis was um missaid hmm. if that's a word missaid misspoken um because they also knew the woman when they got there because she was instrumental in russ's conviction <gasps> the past few years had been quite a ride for the prosecutors investigators and defense attorneys and reporters around uh, the, around this russ basically right. And the rye, the rye was about to get just even crazier. Lovely. Lovely. Because the woman who called 911, well, let's just say she was a master of manipulation. <gasps> she weaved a web of deception that fooled authorities and destroyed families. However, it wasn't just her words. She was also a killer. Oh. This is the story of Pam Hupp. I do not know you this. You don't know this one? Okay. So, my sources, the first one was uh, St. Louis Magazine mm. did this just incredibly detailed story about it. And um, and then Dateline, just this season, the first episode oh. was this story. Is that why you were watching Dateline? Well, that's why I watched these other ones. I wish I talked about the one that we had just watched, The Devil yeah. Was Watching. That um, one was... The episode, it was, it was I, think it's, I think right now we're in season 28, episode one, it was called The Thing About Pam. Um, and the great thing about the Stateline one was that this episode was also based on their first ever podcast. So they actually did a podcast about the story before they actually made it into a full feature, um, you know, film again. It was pretty long. It was almost two hours. Uh, and that 
was released in September of 2019. The the and you watched it? I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then Chris Hayes of Fox Two News in St. Louis was also very instrumental. So what's interesting is that so I'm just going to put this in perspective. 2019 Dateline did their thing, but when we talk further, Dateline is much more involved in the story. Ooh. In previous years, and I'll explain that. Um, but the St. Louis Magazine writer and then the Chris Hayes, they really were the ones that just was like, there's something not right here. So even the guy who, I, when I read the St. Louis Magazine um, article, I wish I wrote his name down, I should have, uh, the the Dateline um, show was very, very similar. Like they, and it was earlier. I think they wrote this thing in 2017, St. Louis Magazine. And then Chris Hayes did his own investigative thing where he it was like a six-part series. I watched that as well. And I, I didn't watch the end of Dateline to see if they gave a lot of credit to him. But the reenactments and things, a lot of the reenactments that they showed on Dateline, he also had done years previous. Wow. So I just want to make sure they get all the credit there. Okay, so... Chris Hayes is mom's favorite, right? This is a different one. A uh, different this, Chris this Hayes. This guy is, he's from St. Louis. Chris Hayes that is from MSNBC is a uh, different. There's a lot of Chris Hayes in like news business. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to get in the crime timeline. Crime timeline. Um, but I'm not going to go into detail about Pam and her upbringing. And also, it'll be kind of filtered through because, like I said, this is insane. And as I watched the Dateline thing, like I was trying to take notes. So I didn't want to try to do the verbatim of just the Dateline, but... A lot of the credit I still think should go to the St. Louis one because I read that first. So the way my order goes through, if you watch a Dateline, which you should, I think this one's actually on demand. Um, it's very the the it's very the the comments the everything. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's almost as if you're watching it in a way. Um, so I apologize for that too if I've ruined anything for you. All right, so we're gonna go back to 2011. Okay, September 27, 2011, in Troy, Missouri. Mm-hmm. It's about 7.30 p.m., and um, at that time, this woman, Betsy Faria, who is the wife of Russ Faria, uh-huh. is um, at home. Okay. Okay. At 9.40 p.m., Russ Faria would come home to find her dead. <gasps> All right. She had been stabbed 55 times. Wow. And... Eight days later, after this all happened, Russ would get charged for the murder, okay? Now, the way this whole story works out and how it's kind of crazy is that Betsy knew Pam, and they had known each other from years even earlier because they worked at this insurance company together, Mm -hmm. and then they lost touch. But then it somehow, I don't even know how they found each other, but... In the time that they had uh, lost touch, Betsy had been diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. And she had beaten it and was kind of like back on the way up and everything like that. So they kind of like rekindled their friendship, things like that. And then all of a sudden, the cancer came back. And Betsy was one of these people that was just really well-liked. She was kind of... if you saw pictures of her and just everything they show, they show is that she was kind of not, she wasn't the center of attention in a sense, but the center of fun, you know, mm-hmm. let's do this, let's do that. Let's go water skiing. Let's do all these other things. And her husband um, was kind of quiet, kind of introverted, but he did whatever he could 
with her. And especially when they beat it and then when it was happening again, he was just, I think they knew it was terminal. So um, he was just whatever she wanted kind of thing. However, they did have a portion in their life where there was like some rockiness. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was during the first cancer thing, but what, you know, nothing was, of course, you know, utopia. But uh, in that period of time when the cancer came back, Pam just started to become a little bit more clingy and was with Betsy all the time. And Russ didn't think anything of it. Just was whatever. All right. So, but what ended up weird or what happened before that fateful night where Mm -hmm. when he finds her dead all of a sudden pam and betsy were spending a lot more time together and what was found out after the murder was that pam um i guess manipulated in a way uh betsy changing her insurance beneficiary oh my god and the reason You'll, well, we'll talk about the reason in a second. But um, what was going down and when they found the body, right, Russ was just in a panic when he called 911. So they, of course, bring him in. They're interviewing him. And he's, you know, pretty much in shock. But there's the, the video of him going back and forth is shock calm shock calm so right away the authorities are like there's something yeah, weird but everybody handles grief differently absolutely so let's just talk about what happened that day all right okay so that day pam's gonna go to chemo right okay not pam sorry so, sorry betsy, yeah betsy. betsy's going to chemo and pam texts betsy be like oh yeah you know i'm gonna take you to chemo you know and betsy's like no we already discussed this you're not i have another friend bobby she's gonna take me to chemo and it was a little bit unsettling because I think there was some, I think Betsy was trying to stay away from Pam yeah. and we'll explain why. Um, so she tells her, Bobby's taking me. I'll talk to you later. And then all of a sudden Pam shows up at the chemo therapy or the, the, exactly. That's and, not cool. And Pam is, I'm sorry, geez, I'm getting the name. <laughs> Pam shows up. Betsy's kind of like, look, I don't know why you're here. I didn't ask you to be here. Her friend Bobby is still kind of not understanding what's going on, but whatever. And she tells Pam, just go home because I'm going to lunch now after this with Bobby. So they go to lunch. And then Bobby brings Betsy finally over to her Betsy's mother's home for dinner. And the plan is Russ is going to pick her up and then bring her home. At some point, Pam calls Betsy and says, hey, hey, no, no, don't worry about it. I'll take you home. No. And I think... You know, Betsy's pretty drained from chemo and everything like that. Right. She's not going to fight it. So she says, she's like, okay, fine. But So she calls Russ and says, like, look, I'm getting a ride with Pam. And um, Russ is like, okay, so you're all set. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, all right, I'll, I'll then. And he, he the night it was happening was, uh, I think it was a Tuesday night. And Tuesday nights, Russ is a... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons kind of guy. So he has like a group of friends that <laughs> they go. Awesome. Right. And they and they do it every Tuesday night. So he's like, okay, well, if that's the case, then I'm just going to go out. I'll go meet my friends. Then I'll grab a bite and then I'll, I'll see at home. And she's okay. like, yeah, it's fine. So Betsy then um, is waiting for this and says, okay, let's, I'll get the ride and all this other stuff will happen. So Pam picks her up and takes her home around and arrives around seven o'clock. At 
Pam calls her husband, Pam's husband, uh-huh. and Betsy gets on the phone and they chat, you know, that, hey, yeah, we're home. Okay. Weird. At 7.21 p.m., Betsy's daughter calls Betsy's cell phone. No answer. Oh. At 7.26, Betsy gets another call. No answer. At 7.27, Pam calls Betsy's phone. No answer. Ah, nice alibi thing there. All right. So all this happens when when, um, Russ comes home at 9.40. Right. He thinks she's asleep, right? And then when he gets in there, he sees blood and he starts (gasps) freaking out. So he calls 911. They show up. And after they take the body away, they realize that she had been stabbed 55 times, but her clothes were covered over her. So, so he didn't see her. After? Right. So he didn't even know that she was like, he just thought there was like this head injury. And there is one thing I forgot to say. When he found her, there was a knife sticking out of her neck. <gasps> he and her arms had been cut. So he thought she tried to commit suicide. Oh, my God. So, of course, the police are like, he's saying she committed suicide, but there's a, there's a knife sticking out of her neck. This guy, that, that doesn't even make sense. And they're asking her, why would you even think that? And he's like, well, she did try once before or a couple times when you right. know, she had terminal cancer. Wow. So all this is going down. They end up, you know, thinking he's the lead suspect. And it takes two years before the case goes to trial. But they pin it on him. He's the one, right? Oh, my God. So they go through all this stuff, and Russ is, if you watch the interrogation, he's just like, I, I, I didn't do it. I mean, like, he, he was, it's just amazing all the things that are going on. So his cousin. Don't they have, like, a, don't they know that he was at his Dungeons and Dragons thing? And, like, how could he have, I just, oh, my God. So what, all these are, it's crazy. So what ends up happening is, um, you know, Russ gets a pretty famous defense attorney. His his cousin actually finds him and everything like that. And this guy starts reading all the evidence, all the casework, and going through it. And he's just like, this is insane. Like, this is crazy. Like, uh, he's got an alibi. The They were saying that, you know, he has receipts. Like, he actually went and got cigarettes, then went into Arby's and got food. Actually got food from another place for somebody else. And all this stuff happened so he he's nowhere and the friends that he's supposed to play D with what ended up happening was one of the guys didn't make it so it was only three of them so they couldn't even do the game so they ended up watching two movies and he was done by nine o'clock so he left at nine o'clock and she we know has been dead for a while because of the autopsy right so when they did the autopsy and they found out about everything they uh are like you know she, we believe she has been she was dead for a couple hours so the timing is around right. seven so he, there's no way he could have done it so while all this is going um the 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 defense attorney is um thinking that there's something else here i don't understand but he's just like there's enough evidence that there's just at least circumstantial and there's going to be doubt but but he starts digging some more mm-hmm. and then he finds out about the life insurance uh-huh. and is okay, this is really insane that, you know, this happened and all this other stuff. And it got switched to Pam? It got switched to Pam. That's ridiculous. And what he finds out, because he interviews people, that when 
she talks about it because now the, the, the police know too that she's become the beneficiary. So they're asking her, her about it. And she's just like, look, uh, Betsy told me that she was afraid that when she dies that the money would be wasted on her kids. Her kids would just spend it on frivolous things. It doesn't trust her husband, this oh and that. God. And um, she goes like, look, I didn't even want to do this. She wanted to do it. So she called me up and we went to this library and this librarian witnessed the paperwork. She filled out all the paperwork and everything like that. So they interviewed the librarian later and the librarian's like, that's not how I thought. Sense. Like, I really believe that it was Pam. Pam was in charge. Like, Pam was coming to the thing. Can you witness this? Can you do all that other stuff? Then they also said that Pam said, yeah, and they were having a rocky relationship. He was kind of weird and this and that. Like he he would play these games where he would put a pillow on her head and say, this is how it feels like when you're going to die and do like these weird role playing things. And, you know, while they're interviewing her about it, he's she's saying all these things about Russ. So then they're interviewing Russ in another room. They talk to Russ and they're saying, well, well, you know, what do you think about Pam? Is she a good friend? This And he's like, yeah, you know. And, and then they're like, what do you think she, you know, does she like you? And she's like, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, they're friends, this, that, whatever. And all that's going through. But so Russ is like, yeah. Pam's cool. Yeah, Pam's and just, yeah. Ru- uh, Pam's like, Russ is the devil. You know, he, he was oh manipulating God. this, that, whatever. And then she tells this other story about how one days before this all happened, um, Pam and a friend, I mean, Betsy and a friend went out to Branson, Missouri, because they were looking to escape. Like, they were both going to leave their husbands. So then he finds this woman, interviews her, and she's like, uh, no, we were just hanging out, and... We just, oh this is what God. we did. We were actually getting gifts for our husbands, that wow. kind of thing. Wow. So all this is there, and he sees this, and he has all this in, in mind. And um, he's like, all right, well, you know, why aren't they looking at her? So the police aren't looking at anyone but Russ. The whole case is around Russ. And the female oh. prosecutor is now, like, best friends with Pam. Like, no. you can see, like, they're, even what they're going through. So right before the trial, right, the... A detective is talking with Pam, like, going again, are going to be brought up on, on the stand, and they're going to try to pin this on you. They're going to say it's because of the money. Like, you you know. That's not pinning. Right. And she's like, I don't know. I only did this for her. She goes, why would I do this? Like, look, my mom has, like, a half a million dollar um, life insurance co- thing on her. If, if I was going to do anything, I would. why wouldn't I just take her out and make the, the money? So I don't wow. understand this. Wow. So... What ends up happening is one of the detectives is like, look, you said you were going to take this money and put it in a trust for the girls, right? Have you done that? And she's like, no. And yeah, he's like, well, that kind of looks bad that if you haven't, because, you know, that's what you were said you were going to do and all this stuff. So, you know. Maybe you should go do that. Go put it in trust. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, well, then I'll handle it. I'll, I'll put it. And since so she put two-thirds of the money into a trust three uh-huh. days before the trial. So now they're all ready to go to trial and everything like that. And the judge tells the defense attorney that you can't bring up any of this evidence that implicates Pam because she's not on trial. But what? Can't bring up the beneficiary, can't bring up this, can't bring up that. But what if he's not using it technically to to blame her, but just to to, to prove the innocence of his, of the defendant? So they can't, right? So he tries basically because there's objections here and there and all stuff. And at one point, the jury is leaves because he he's like he's like he can't believe what's going on the defense attorney and the reporters are still in the room and then he brings up all the stuff so the reporters hear the story but the jury doesn't okay so they hear that there's this beneficiary the thing changed it happened only a few days it happened four days before she died all this other stuff okay oh. so now 
they find out that they talk about the autopsy. The person comes out and says, yeah, she probably died somewhere around seven o'clock, that kind of thing. And then they bring in a specialist, the prosecutor, saying that there's this one thing where that sometimes rigor mortis can happen instantaneously based on uh, trauma, oh crazy trauma. Also. Okay. So they're trying to say that, you know, maybe it wasn't seven. It could have been 940, right? And then they say, well, the other weird thing is that when the stabbings happened, there was no blood from the stabbing. So the stabbings were post-mortem. So that it was almost made to look as she tried to kill herself, but it was then a crime of passion and, a, you know, a hatred. Usually somebody who can do something to somebody that violent but, has to know them. Okay. But this makes no sense. They're just saying Russ was having bad marriage. He was trying to kill her. You know, oh he was God. having enough, you know, all those other things. So then they talk about the, the role-playing guys. And the defense, I mean, the prosecution says, well, this was all role play. Like, this is what they were talking about. Like, these guys were like, let's do this for real. This is what happened. So that's their theory. That makes me very angry. So, you know, the defense attorney's like, this is is all crazy. There's just no way. Yeah. He's convicted. I mean, I knew that, but I really was hoping that somehow it would not be true. So all this happens. He's in jail, blah, blah, blah. In 2014, Dateline does a story about yes. this, about, well, no, no don't say yes. Oh. They do a story because they're like, this was happening at the time in this case and all these other things are going on. And they're like, who done it? It was the husband. Oh, my God. And they interview Pam. She's lapping it up, becomes best friends with the uh, producer. <gasps> From her perspective. I'm not saying the producer did. Yeah, but I know. What the... So all that goes down, right? Now, in right after that civil suit, or around the time they were doing the civil suit, actually, I mean, um, the Dateline, there was a civil suit filed because that was part of the Dateline story because they had never seen the money, right? So the daughters are like, where's the money? What's going on? We haven't seen a thing. So she's going going to trial about the money. Right. And in the end... They find out that this happened. No one knew about it because it never came out in court. In court, but the thing that was crazy was this: because there was a trust established, right? Days after the conviction, she destroyed and revoked the trust. Oh my god! So no one knew, but because the civil suit happened, that came about, and she said when she was on trial for it, she basically was implicating herself for other things, but. The daughters lost the suit because there was n- there was no reason she didn't have to keep the money and give the money to the kids because there was no no evidence saying that right. Betsy said that money has to go to the kids. Yeah, because she manipulated it into. Oh. But because of that and finding out that information, the defense attorney filed a Mooney claim and a Mooney claim is basically saying that there's new evidence that has come about that should have been at trial that is to the detriment of this account. Very important. Right. And in the history of Missouri, there had been only three successful Mooney claims. Mm-hmm. This was the fourth. Wow. So they file for the motion. 
the judge decides that yes, we should have the motion. And Lee Askey, the woman who was the lead prosecutor mm-hmm. on the original case, is again I said buddy buddy with Pam. She's prepping her again, saying that look, there's video of this where she's like the attorney's just a sore loser, and you know Pam's like you're right, and this is just wasting taxpayers' money. Oh, um, my God. oh and my God. you know this is just ridiculous. We'll we'll take care of it and everything else. So on June 2015. A year and a half after the original conviction, there's a new trial, new judge, and new um, new def- the defense has just this new case to basically bring up and brings up all the evidence. And they talk about the manipulation of the insurance policy um, and why that should have been uh, admissible. So the judge is listening to this and he's like, this is insane. How did this not come up? And within there's no jury for this it's just a judge right, like a hearing, like, um, yeah. he just overturns conviction and says we're having a new trial okay so he's released on bond okay new trial starts november of 2015 mm-hmm. which is pretty quick yeah and the investigators now start interviewing pam again the prosecution right and originally when she was interviewed and they asked her about if russ could be responsible for this she said she really didn't know him at the time Right. She was just saying, like, I don't know him that well. But Uh and she didn't uh, 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 officially immediately say it was him. But, you know, the stories about the things going on. But she never said, like, it was him. She just said he was just, you know, now when they're interviewing. Oh, no, no. Yeah, it was him. Like, I I have no doubt, you know, it was him. Nice. Nice. Then originally they asked her, were you best friends with um, Betsy? And, you know, and she said at that time, originally the original trial, Betsy had many friends. I was just one of her best friends. This time, oh, no, no, no. She was my best friend. Actually, we were intimate. I mean, you know, I'm not into that, but, you know, she was dying. So I figured, you know, if I could help her. Yeah, we were lovers. What the hell? And just so you know, she was super conservative. And all her friends, when they heard this, says that she's one of the most transphobic people that, um, uh, transphobic, um, homophobic? homophobic people that she that anybody's ever had ever met so they were like this is insane like she was completely like that crazy conservative oh insane person so then she said that um started to say that well basically russ you know knew this was bad for the relationship and this was the motive and things like that and then the police then say start to like piece together well Oh, so did you see Russ there? I mean, did, you know, and she's like, oh, no, 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 I don't, I didn't, he wasn't, he didn't break in on us because they're trying to set up now the story of like, come on, let's sell a story. You guys are having an intimate relationship. Russ comes in, he sees you, and then that happens. And she's like, no, 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 that didn't happen. So four months later, while they're doing all this investigation, all of a sudden she has this epiphany. Oh, you know what? Now I remember when I was leaving the house, I saw a car parked. And she first named a car that she thought was one of theirs, but they had gotten rid of it. And then they're like, oh, and then she's like, oh, no, maybe it was this car. So even that story was kind of like shoddily put together. Exactly. And she goes, and I, and it was Russ in the car. So then she just conveniently forgot that before something that's that important. And then all of a sudden, guess what? She's like, oh, wait, you know what? Have you checked Pam's, I mean, Betsy's computer? Um, for any letter because she said she was going to send me this email and then all of a sudden they find this um, letter on her laptop uh-huh. that lists everything that she's been saying over the years things like that that was basically t- written to Pam saying I fear for my life you think he's going to kill me you know this is what's going to happen he does this thing with the pillow 
And they're like, this is just really, really weird. Yeah, it's like word for word. But it's like, a smoking gun, right? The prosecution's like, we have this letter, blah, 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 blah. So It's on our laptop, right? It's on um, Betsy's laptop. But it never got sent. It when? never got sent. So it was written on the laptop. It had never been sent. But it was written around that time? It was written in uh, 2011 when the murder happened. It just never got sent. Mm. So the they're, they're like, we got him. This is it. Like, you know. So... They're going to trial now. And again, just like before, this time, they no jury, just a judge uh, judge trial. And the attorney can bring in all this evidence, starts talking about it all. And the prosecutor has all of a sudden bringing up this letter and then says, oh, and yeah, by the way, when we were doing the inspection, we found um, that there was water in the tub. So he must have like got, because there was no blood on him. Like when they brought him in, they had no blood on him. And they found actually his slippers in the closet covered in blood. So the oh, prosecutor God. is saying, well, you know what happened then? He he killed her. He was naked doing this role-playing thing. Came in, killed her, and then showered. So that's why there wasn't anything. And that's how he had no blood on him. So, of course, then they talk about the laptop. And then there was this letter. See, this letter is from 2011. It was never sent. We just found it on, on, on her laptop. And it has all this interview. And we'll see. I mean, has uh, I'm sorry, has all the info, and you know, we know that this was the case. So of course, they're ready to do that. the The defense did their uh, their uh, investigation and forensics, and what they find out is when they look at that letter on there, mm-hmm. was that you know everything has like who's the author, who's this, or whatever. None of that metadata was there, and the forensics wow. are like, this was cut and paste onto this computer. So what they believe happened was. That night, she had her laptop. Mm-hmm. She took it, basically took something, moved it onto that that computer, wanted to send it, but didn't. It just didn't happen, it, but it was put there. Because when this all went down and she was talking about there's got to be this letter, Pam's like, oh, did you check her computer in this file on this oh thing? Oh, my God. It's got to be in there. So it was Pam that directed the authorities to it years later. you can find it. Y- exactly. This thing that was never sent to me that I shouldn't really know about. Right, right, what right, the- right. So, you know, the attorney starts making all the cases, talks about, the, again, the, the, the slippers with blood, saying that there was no footprints of blood anywhere in the house the, where the crime scene was. There was blood everywhere. But, and then all of a sudden there's these two slippers in, the, in there. She's, and he's, he's not accusing her, right? right? He's just saying that this happened, this happened, this happened. And it doesn't add up. Like he has an alibi. There was a, he's not the beneficiary. Where's the motive for that? Where's this? And they're like, well, the motive could have been that he's killing her because of that. And they're like, no. Why? So all that goes through, and he is found not guilty within hours. Like Good. Seven Good. hours. And the judges condemns the investigation, berates basically the previous judge and the prosecutor for how could you allow all this other evidence not to be admissible, mm-hmm. and how could you not look for other people, you know? So prosecutors says, all right, well, um, we're not reopening the case. We're done. Like, this is it. We're not, we, no. we still believe it's him. Russ did it. So let's fast forward a year later. Okay. Oh, my God. August 16th, 2016, right? Pam is assaulted in her driveway and ends up shooting the assailant. The man's name is Louis Gumpenberger. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then during the investigation of this shooting, they find in Gumpenberger's on him, they find uh, a note 
that has like a list of things of, you know, make it look like uh, how Russ's wife died, uh, put a knife in her neck. Um, in the other pocket, they find um, nine $100 bills. Oh, my God. They also find in the note saying that get Russ's money, get her in the car. So it's like basically what he, it's a list that. Who goes to the scene of like, who brings a list with them? Right. But it's, you know. Um, it's it's kind of his plan of what he was going to do, right. right? You should have that memorized. So Pam starts talking about during the, when she's being interviewed, right, after this has happened, and now they know it's Pam Hupp, she goes, I just, I mean, I remember being in my car, I saw a car drive up, drop him off, um, and they're like, well, who was in the car? And she describes, she goes, well, it's a guy, he had let's, like a goatee, blah, 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 and pretty much describes Russ without it being saying it's him, right? Oh, my God. And, you know, reporters already now are hearing this and are, are on the scene because it's Pam Hupp. Everybody knows Pam Hupp, this right. kind of thing. So Russ hears this. The police contact him about it, and he immediately like, I'm coming down the station. I, whatever you want me to do, and calls his lawyer and everything like that, and he is completely, you want DNA? Swab away. You want whatever you want. So he's giving them everything. cooperative, doing everything else. And then the investigators that are on this case are completely different from the investigators that were on the original case, okay? And all of a sudden, they start immediately like, dismissing that Russ's involvement is in there, right? right. And, and they, you know, his alibis check in, the lawyer's there, they prove that, you know, he couldn't have dropped them off, he wasn't anywhere near the vicinity. So then, all of a sudden, um, they start questioning, you know, the 911 call because it sounds crazy staged. And when you listen to it, you'll kind of hear it there, oh, right? Great. So he all of a sudden starts to, um, they talk about that, how 911 starts recording immediately when you call. Mm -hmm. So when they listen to the call, right, you hear the call go on and then the, the dispatcher will say, you know, 911, what's the emergency? Right, but it, from the moment it, it Right, opens. so it's complete silence. And then when you hear the, the dispatcher talk, all of a sudden it's chaos. Oh, my Right, goodness. so like, that doesn't sound right. Then when they're doing more uh, investigation of the knife that was in the struggle in the car, the knife was basically wedged in between the passenger and the driver's seat with the blade sticking down and the 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 handle straight up so it was completely vertical mm -hmm. in between and they were like that's so weird because in the struggle if you knock a knife for it to like fly in the air whatever it is to it's go it's not going to stick itself in right yeah. and be wedged in that way just almost placed there so while they're in in the house looking into the house in the kitchen between the stove and the countertop are three knives put in vertically, oh just goodness. lined up to be used. And they're like, that looks exactly like what it looks like in the car. Oh my God. Then when they look at the prints on the knife, the only print was on the blade as if it was pinched on the blade, right? There was no, his print, Gumpernberger's. There was no, right. as if it was taken, grabbed his hand and put his fingers onto the blade. So that also didn't make any sense. And as they start searching more and they start looking at her stuff and everything like that, they find oh that there's a receipt from a dollar store. And at that, on that receipt is that exact knife being bought. Oh my God. A pad of paper. Oh my God. And a pen. How more and the pad how of paper is, can you be? The pad of paper was identical to the note 
that was left or the the paper itself of on that was left in his yeah, i bet it was like had like an engraving on it of like hello kitty or something uh, it even gets crazier and then where the body was found oh my where the shooting was there was a lot uh, sh- um extra carpeting put on top of the carpet to almost soak up the blood so the blood wouldn't get onto the on original the real- carpet okay okay wait, wait okay i'm not done and then they found a single single $100 bill in Pam's possession. And when they looked at the $900 that was in Lewis Gumpenberger's possession, the serial numbers all laid up because they when you go to the bank, the same time. right. So, what? okay. I don't, oh my God. Oh so my now God. they're, as they're investigating Lewis Gumpenberger, like him and what his right. issues are, they find out that he had been reported missing by his mother that day. Ooh. And why? It's because he had suffered a brain injury due to a car crash years earlier. He left him handicapped, basically childlike. And he had permanent leg injuries, and he walked with a limp, and his left hand was basically useless. So, so how... Okay, just here. You want... It's coming. <sighs> so he couldn't even walk far distances because of the limp. He was never away a block from his home. Right. right? And he had... He just did not have the mental capacity to create a list of here's what I'm going to do, do all this thing. So immediately they're like, this guy, this is not right. So what actually happened? Well, Dateline is kind of involved in this. Lovely. In another police department, six days earlier. Okay. Before the shooting, um, they received a call from a woman. She said that she was outside her house. She was just walking her dog when a woman pulled up in an SUV and saying that she was from Dateline. Oh, my God. And she said to her, hey, I'll pay you $1,000 if you can do a sound bite for us. We're doing this show, and we need to do, like, this uh, mock 911 call if you could help us out. Oh, my God. And she was, she said her name was Kathy. She was the producer from Dateline. And that was the woman who was the original Dateline from years ago. Wow. Okay. And the producer of the Dateline that. That Pam was on? That we were just watching. Who wa- she was, like, getting all buddy-buddy with? She was the one from 2014. Yeah. She's also the producer of the one that just happened in really? 2019. Yes. And it was funny because on Dateline, like, we just want to tell you that we don't give people money to make sound bites or <laughs> like that, right? Now, the woman who was uh, approached thought it was really odd and was even the, the woman in the car made her thought she was stupid because she's like, you know, Dateline, the show. And she's like, yeah, duh, I know what the show is, that kind of thing. But she's like, I'm intrigued, you know. All right, I'll I'll take thousand bucks. Let's go. Yeah, but who also you're gonna go driving on the street, pull up to some random woman and be like, "Hey, I'm from Dateline. Will you pretend to be like what?" That's just not how that works at all. So she takes the thousand bucks, gets mm-hmm. into her car, and they start driving. And all of a sudden, she can just sense like this isn't this is weird. And she's driving like in a weird way, and she's like, "You know what? I forgot. I and, oh, actually, she's take this back. She even said to her before she got in the car, "You don't need. Don't bring your keys, wallet." any identification or anything like that with you either. Why? So the woman on earth again, and this is not an idiot woman. She's like, I no, just no, want to mean, like, why, why would you ask? Like, well, if, again, oh so God. she gets in the car, then she's like, Nope, turn around. We're going. Um, let's, I want to go back. I, I got to get something else. And then she's like, here's your money. I'm not involved. Um, let me go do my thing. Right. And she goes back home and then she calls the police immediately to be like, this is the weirdest thing that just happened. Mm-hmm. And, the other thing about this woman, she has video cameras, a station outside her house that recorded the SUV coming up, 
having a conversation and gets a complete shot of the license plate. Yes. So investigators start looking at it, see what's going on and realize that that's Pam Hupp's car. So they know and it's put it's, you know, been recorded there. Right. Good. So another person later after this all went down also came forward and said that this woman came up in a black SUV asked if I would do this thing for, you know, a couple thousand dollars, for a thousand dollars and everything right. else. And I just was like, yeah, no, I didn't, didn't, didn't seem right to me. So, of course, Louis Gumpenberger, who doesn't have the mental capacity, is like, I'm in, yeah, for a th- I'll, 900 bucks. I'll, I'll. So she then, when, when she was being interviewed after the fact, when she was saying, like, this guy tried to kill me, she's like, yeah, I think he was drunk. He, he was kind of slow. Like, oh she had no idea that he was handicapped. Um, so... When that all went through and they started getting all this information, they immediately got a warrant to to ping her cell phone, mm-hmm. and they started using um, Google Maps and like that, and they pinpointed her path that whole time to that woman's house, to this other guy, and then to Lewis Gumpner's Gumpenberger's house, and they oh had it for God. three to five minutes. He she was stopped. Then they looked at video surveillance on the whole route, and they found a video surveillance of Gumpenberger. I mean, it wasn't crystal clear, but enough in the car that they could see it in the car. You know what I mean? So then within an hour, they have her, they arrest her, and they're interrogating her. She asks for a lawyer. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's all on tape, right? That kind of thing. Um, so during that time when she asks for the lawyer, she basically um, gets left alone. And they left the pen on the table. So she grabs the pen, and you can see it. Like she actually kind of grabs her water bottle and her pen and moves it back, so it's to be stealth-like. So when you know she return, when they return um, from calling the lawyer and like that, she asks to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And when she's on her way to the bathroom, she takes the uh, pen and starts stabbing herself in oh the my neck. God, like in front of everybody, or she's in yeah, the bathroom. Yeah, uh, I think they they um, you can hear on the video. It's because off camera. They just hear like like Pam, no, no. Oh, my God. Well, there's no trial. Well, okay. She didn't die from stabbing herself. Right. She decided to take the Alford plea. Remember the Alford plea? Oh, that's where you, like, you don't have to... So, basically, what she does is she pleads guilty mm-hmm. because there's enough evidence for her to be convicted. But, but she's but she not doesn't saying... Go to- she well, she has to say that she. Oh, I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, she has to use the words guilty. Right. Right. And... Uh, they basically offered the deal because the prosecutor was like, I'm going for the death penalty on this. You know, there's, um, I, wow. and, and when the Alfred plea was thrown in front of him, people were angry. They didn't want him to take it, but he took it because he's like, like the costs and everything for a death penalty case are insane. I mean, you know, the, how yeah. like, oh, your, your point with justice reform. So they do all that and they're going to take it. And she, the prosecutor's like, we wouldn't, never have found out she would never have owned up for any of this there's just no way so this is the closest we were going to get for her saying you know she was like guilty confessing for that. And stuff. she gets convicted to life in prison um with uh no parole good. plus 30 years good all right? good 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 now in 2018 all right the judge in the original case got voted out of <gasps> his job and they're like this is unheard of local politics it hardly happens the prosecutor also gets voted out ascii um, the woman who went through, she got crushed <laughs> 74 to 26. The new prosecutor has promised to reopen the Betsy Faria case. Okay. Now, one last thing. Remember when I was talking to you earlier about when they were asking you like about the 150,000 and she's like, well, my mom, you know, why would I do this? Did she also kill her mom? 
2013, yeah, she did. Shirley Newman fell through a metal railing in her nursing home. Oh from, my God! She was 77 and on a walker, and then she she got pushed. Well, it broke like the bars, and they re- they tried to do a reenactment of how much force would have to take it, and it's a ridiculous amount. It would have to be like 2,000 pounds of force to try to break it. The last person to be with her, Pam. She actually went to go see her, told the staff folks that not to bother checking in on her uh, until the next morning. Oh, my God. And it was the next morning when they found her on the ground, fallen from two stories uh, with the um, basically railing pegs popped mm-hmm. through. It was ruled an accident. How? At that, that time. And they... I believe she got $100,000 from that, that. Oh, my now, God. Like I said, many investigative reporters had actually recreated it. Basically, Chris Hayes had done it. Mm-hmm. Um, Dateline had done it. They right. went through it. Um, but after the all these things have happened and all this, all these um, new stories have come out, they are now the death has been re- ruled as undetermined. But it's the question is: is that prosecutor going to also now look at her death as well? So there are Hopefully. at least two other people that were connected with her who she was with the last time they were alive. And that's the case of Pam, Pam Hub. We're going to watch the Dateline after this, right? <laughs> I already did. <laughs> okay, I'm going to watch you it. You can definitely watch yeah, it. Yeah, I really want to see. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a, it's a, it was an insane story. I hope insane. that Russ got, like, all the, the like, what's it called? Um, uh, when you give back after doing something bad. <laughs> well, Reparations. I, it was, it, it, I don't think he sued for anything or anything like that. I mean, Wait, I think he. I thought he. I just looked him up and it said he did. Oh, I don't think I don't. Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, unless he's going after the original prosecutor. Wrongfully convicted Russ Faria sues prosecutor and something. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, but yeah, or it's insane. New every day. But there you go. Wow. All right, let's hear your fun fact. All right. So again, I'm using the fact site. <laughs> Um, and I'll keep it shorter this week. Uh, number one is at birth, a baby panda is smaller than a mouse. I think I've, cause I, I've seen them cause they, they cut, they, I've seen them actually in, uh, some nature show where they show the panda, like climb up to nurse. And it's like this tiny, <sighs> tiny thing. Um, but it, it, it's, it's crazy. I'll, we got to find out. It, it had to be like an Attenborough thing or something, but, um, yeah, I've never seen a baby. I've seen like a, a small panda, like the, no, when you see it, it's, it's just insane because the mother, I think lays on its, on her back and you, and it's, uh, wow. you watch this little tiny, you know, blind hairless thing crawl up to nurse it's, that's adorable yeah you'll, I got, we'll find it um number two is that iceland it does not have a railway system i no, that's interesting yeah um i feel like there's not that many people in iceland though so no but iceland's a good one right because it's not it's considered iceland but it's actually greenland's the ice one and, yeah and, Viking so there's stuff. and i do believe that the people are much ha- are very happy in iceland yes yeah i would like to go to iceland Anyway, uh, and then the last one is that the largest known prime number has 17,425,170 digits. Oh, my God. Uh, And it's the number two multiplied by itself 57,885,161 times minus one. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah, largest known prime number so far. 
Uh, yeah, those are my fun facts. Um, so then I'll jump into the wrap up. My brain hurts from that last one. So yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if you want to suggest your own stories or send in your own fun facts or stories that has hap- that have happened to you, which I think we covered like all three of those today, kind of <laughs> a little bit, um, send those to our email, which is everything in podcast at gmail.com. We would love to read them say them out on the podcast, that kind of stuff. We'd love that. Uh, you can also submit them on our website, which is www.everythingpodcast.weebly.com. Uh, we have a lot of fun stuff on there. Um, and yeah, just check that out. You can also see like other platforms that we're on. Um, we are on social media. Our Instagram is at everything in podcast. Our Twitter is at between underscore, underscore podcast. And uh, we have a Facebook group and page both by the name of everything in between podcast. So check those out. We'll be posting things as they come up, like when new episodes come out and you'll see the Belmez faces, maybe those tiles that are. Uh, <laughs> you that should, I, you should just put them side by side. I'll, what yeah, do I'll you take don't some pictures. to say? What do you see? <laughs> yeah. What do you see before you listen? A little bit too late for anyone listening right now. Fair enough, yeah. Um, and yeah, so post new things like that. Um, if you're listening on a platform that allows you to do so, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe. It's very helpful for us. Um, helps us get out there a little bit more. And lastly, we pick songs that represent our stories that we use as the title for each of our episodes. Uh, and we've compiled those songs into a playlist on Spotify called The Soundtrack In Between. Um, what? I wonder if we should like if we should do a volume one volume two because it's really long yeah but like of all the playlists i have i currently have a playlist on spotify uh that is 24 hours long all right fair enough so <laughs> i just was wondering if we should do it like break it up by one year one year two like oh maybe but let whatever. us know we'll Give figure us, it, yeah. shoot us an email let us know what you think uh but yeah check that out it's a really good like road trip playlist good study playlist suits your needs playlist yeah think that's about it yeah no, I so think that's good. until next week until next week bye bye oh and happy birthday <laughs> thank you